Welcome to Brew Bloods. Uh, this is normally a silly, silly beer show, a show that uh, is designed to celebrate the enjoyment that uh, an intoxicant provides us all and makes us more happy. Generally. Hopefully, hopefully, make you laugh along the way. Yeah, but we we felt that uh, being minuscule representatives of Dallas, we should probably say something about the events that, as of this recording, just happened last night at the uh, Black Lives Matter protest here in Dallas, where at least one that is now dead. As as what we know now, uh, possibly as many as four or more, three of them are not cooperating. At any rate, uh, those assass- that assassin or assassins uh, took out, uh, killed five cops and wounded seven other cops and injured two civilians. Yeah, and it's such a monumental event, the biggest attack on law enforcement since nine uh, eleven is how it's been uh, how it's been talked about. And you know, we feel like we like Mark said are at least a minuscule voice for the DFW area. People associate us with the craft beer scene here. And, uh, you know, this is our community, our town, and this is a horrific event. And it's, it's creepy to think, you know, the, the, the main assassin that they just, uh, they just pinpointed, uh, as of today, as of we're recording this on, uh, on Friday, the eighth, um, you know, lived in Mesquite, uh, which is right around the corner from where we record. So it's, it's just creepy and scary and sad. And, uh, it's kind of just, Another sad event in this in this culture that we're living in right now, unfortunately. And in the city. I mean, the, the city has a long history of being nicknamed the City of Hate, and for good reason. The KKK headquarters was moved here in the 1920s, and they would have parades by day and lynchings and terrorism and killings by night. Uh, in 1960, the John Birch Society, which is a far-right-wing group, and General Edwin Walker, who Lee Harvey Oswald would later try to assassinate, moved its headquarters here and sponsored anti-Catholic propaganda yeah, that same year, a group of North Dallas uh, female protesters protested against Senator Lyndon B. Johnson and spat on him and his wife. In 61, Ted Dealey, who was the head of the Dallas Morning News at the time, took over the paper from his father and turned it from a left-wing newspaper into a severe right-wing paper and made national ha- uh, headlines for going to a White House dinner and the vile rhetoric he spit in uh, Kennedy's face made national headlines. Um and then 1963, U.N. Ambassador Adlai Stevenson came here uh, to speak and was attacked and spat upon upon his visit. Then, of course, in November of 1963, just a month after Adlai Stevenson, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dealey Plaza, which was named for Ted Dealey's father. And it's been decades since we've had anything on such a national scale as far as hate goes, but we've never lost that nickname in this city. And now we're faced with that again. Um, with these people dead and wounded and uh, another just tragic event in the city. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is that if you really dig into it, it, obviously this kind of event happening anywhere is terrible. But uh, for all that, uh, all those facts that uh, Mark was talking about there, all indicators are that the Dallas Police Department specifically has is one of the better run uh, police departments in the country for for a town this size or a city this size. Uh, as far as diversity goes, as far as uh, not leveling uh, abuse charges, uh, you know, how how they actually handle protests, um, you know, all all indicators were that they were right in line with the Black Lives Matter march uh, that day. That uh, there's plenty of pictures with cops and protesters together. They were just keeping the peace. Um, they were keeping the peace. They were protecting them. That a lot of the people in the march uh, even commented on the fact that these cops were protecting them as the active shooter was occurring or mm-hmm. active shooting was occurring. So. Uh, you know, I think at least uh, on that front, I think it needs to be needs to be mentioned that uh, the DPD was 
probably not the best target for one of these uh, one of these hate crimes. It was just somebody that. Uh, I mean, not that there's a good target, but it's just somebody that happened to live here that that happened to get upset. It, it appears, um, at least from anything we know at this point, and uh, just kind of went off and found a found an outlet that he could do that on. Um, and it was obviously everything we know was you know racially motivated. Uh, he was he was targeting white officers and uh, was very upset about the 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 past couple of days tragic events as well uh, in Minnesota and Louisiana. So. Uh, just a terrible, a terrible thing overall. Really sucks it happened in our backyard. Would suck it happened anywhere. It's almost surreal though that it happens, you know, fifteen miles from where we live. Right. Just feel like that's something that uh, we should at least, at least address and, and discuss a little bit. It's it's frustrating on, on all fronts, and sadly, likely we will never live down the name, the city of hate, and and maybe we shouldn't, and um, maybe we should, you know we use it as sometimes almost a joke in the city that, you know, we have a roller derby team named assassination city and we have a bar called uh, Lee Harvey's and sometimes it's become a punchline in some respects, but maybe we should never lose the name, the city of hate, because maybe it should be something that motivates us to be better um, because we have become better in the last few decades. We've become better as a city, despite what you may think of us um, in many other respects, it has become a more cosmopolitan, a more liberal, a more loving city, but because of this, we'll probably never overcome that. But maybe we can use it to come together. Yeah, continue to grow. As civilians, uh, law enforcement, and hopefully someday our politicians, despite what I think of our current, uh, the heads of our government here in the state, <laughs> and the uh, constant uh, division that they promote. But, you know, we have to rise above and unite and, and make it better for everybody involved. And I hope that we can overcome. And I would say hats off to, uh, I think our mayor and our chief of police have done a pretty good job on this too. Absolutely. Uh, anything I've heard them speak of, it's, it's all about unity and love and, you know, things you need to be focusing on at this point. And with that, here's our silly show. Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Brood Beer makes you feel the way you ought to feel without beer. That from poet Henry Lawson. I think you've also said that to me when you're really sloshed. <laughs> it makes but you feel the way you ought to feel without beer. This is how I should feel all the time. This is why I want to be Why I gotta get drunk to feel like this? It's not less than good beer. That's water. <laughs> exactly. Then, then I vomit and get blood eye. Right. Yeah, welcome to and blood, but. episode. Well, that's just a concert. <laughs> welcome to episode fifty nine of Brew Bloods. Here for yet another week, surprisingly enough, almost to sixty, and we have a very special episode coming up next week. We will be the next couple of weeks on vacation, so we're going to have a couple of specials for you. Next week, we're going to have a Smoking the Bandit special about the uh, how Coors affected the U.S. in the nineteen seventies, and about that movie and how it affected the production of that movie. And then hopefully we're going to have something a little special after that. I don't want to announce it just yet. Depends uh, how the audio comes out. We'll see. We recorded it this week. We'll see. We don't exactly know how the audio turned out. but And we're going to be in Hawaii. We hope to get our hands on some uh, nice Hawaiian beers. We're going to be on the island of Kauai. Mark will be constantly wearing coconut bras. And hopefully... Uh, grass skirts. Everything stereotypical. Yeah. Uh, and uh, hopefully we're going to get an interview with at least one of the brewers on Kauai. There are two brewers on Kauai where we'll be. Maybe we'll get a chance to fly over to uh, Maui or maybe um, Big uh, Island, Kona, uh, where Kona is. Yeah, yeah, Big Island. Maybe we'll see. We'll, we'll see how things shake out. But uh, hopefully, we'll be I have been to Maui here. Brewing, and that's a pretty awesome little brewery for sure. It, it's a lot smaller than you would think for the mass distribution they have. 
but yeah, that's where we'll be the next couple weeks, and then we'll be back with uh, brand new shows after that. Regular guess, programming. Yeah, back to your normally scheduled programming. <laughs> but I guess let's get, bit, get to a little bit of bruise in the news. There's uh, not a lot happened in the past week as far as beer is concerned. The beer industry. Not, not a lot of no Maybe you just stuff. didn't find it. Uh, it's entirely possible. He went to one site. He just went to Fox News and found one story. Yes, I had two different sites. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, my regular blog, runnersworld.com, because <laughs> you know I'm a huge marathon runner. True. But uh, apparently, Kyoko Fukushi, Fukushi, who is an Olympic marathoner who will be traveling to Rio to get Zika here very soon, as well as, well as the flesh-eating bacteria, or the super bacteria, uh, she was training in Boulder, Colorado, and her agent told her that there was a, an upcoming 4th of July 4K uh, race hosted by Avery. And she decided she, uh, I guess for training purposes and just to uh, be a braggart, she entered the race and handily won that by more than six <laughs> minutes. And as a result, she won a lifetime, I think it was a lifetime supply of Avery beer. Does she even like Avery beer would be the question. Uh, she probably doesn't know and won't know until after the Olympics because she's not allowed to drink beer until that's done. Oh, okay. Until she has acquired Zika, she is not allowed. And then they just say, screw it, drink all the beer you want. Yeah, uh, Fukushi said she would share it with her teammates, but she's not allowed to have it herself, so she has no idea. The second place winner only won a single case of beer, and he gave it... seems it, like quite a drop. That is quite. Couldn't he have at least won, like, I don't know, a pallet's worth or something? Yeah, you would think. Uh, he gave his winnings to the owners of the Twin Lakes Inn, where the team stays every year. Twins. So apparently the her weight... I'm sorry, it was not her, uh, not lifetime supply, it was her weight in beer... Which translated to five cases. Okay, so that's not say, that. That's not that big of a difference. That's probably not that much. Maybe she should have at least gotten two and a half. She doesn't look too big, so yeah, that's not big, that big of a prize for uh, marathon, though. But whatever. I would agree with that. And uh, secondly, and finally, KLM, the Dutch airline, is announcing that they are going to start serving tra- draft beer on flights. Nice. Yeah, they've uh, they've been working with unfortunately Heineken to perfect the how they're going to do draft beer because the air pressure is so much lower on flights. And when you're up that high, it produces just basically a giant glass of foam. Plus, CO2 cartridges are illegal on flights. But uh, they finally apparently perfected that, and now you'll be able to get fresh Heineken off the draft mm. on an HKLM flight. Can't wait. It's probably just one. It's probably just like a can with some carbonation that they stick in there, <laughs> probably, and then shoot it out of the spout. Yeah, they. Uh, you wouldn't know any difference with Heineken. They said it was one big jigsaw puzzle, as the keg of beer, the cooling system, and the air pressure compressor all had to fit in an airline catering trolley. Heineken is just, I don't know, man. That's always been one of my lowest rated beers. Uh, they will load four kegs on each flight, and uh, they will be leaving out of Amsterdam Airport. Now, the other one will be high anyway, so they won't care. So everybody's trying to get on the beer game. Unfortunately, it's not craft beer, and in my estimation, not great beer. Although, like we said before, never had a Heineken on draft. Probably I've seen it. Well, now you can fly KLM and have one. Never, but never sought it out. I, I think see. you should actually buy a ticket on KLM exclusively for that reason. <laughs> I'm going to fly all the way to Amsterdam. <laughs> it doesn't matter why. Just to have a Heineken on draft. <laughs> God, what a waste of money that is. <laughs> well, then you can go to the red light district like you always like. Although I'm probably losing more in the 401k market right now than I am spending it on a a uh, wasteful flight to KLM just to get a glass That's true. of true. Uh, You're losing it more in, a, in mutual fund fees than yeah, probably than doing so. That. Probably so. I'm getting big shorted over here and... <laughs> I'm going to be out, out in a cardboard box in Dowdy Ferry here shortly. Also but, uh, known as Big Sharded. Big, yeah, Big Sharded. <laughs> is that anything like Big Craft Beer? <laughs> That'll be the next seat. The sequel to Big Short is the Big Shart. <laughs> That's all it is. One of those. <laughs> Just on loop. All right. Well, this week we're taking on a brew we haven't before, and then is Great Divide. A brawl. Um, and we'll talk about them after this. In the past, we've talked about diacetyl, K2, 
chemical that can appear in beer and may mean that the beer has gone bad. But there are a plethora of other chemicals and bacteria like pediococcus that can ruin a beer. A brewer may not know until it's too late because you can't see them with the naked eye. However, some brewers like Russian River and Victory are trying to stay ahead of these little buggers by testing their beer's DNA. Before DNA testing, brewers use a system called plating, where they take a beer sample, put it onto a plate of bacteria food, and wait about a week to see what happened. If a bacteria colony blossomed in front of their eyes, then they knew they had a bad batch. To speed up the process, several companies have developed testing kits that reduce the time to several hours. These kits range from the BrewPal at the low end for around $5,000 to bigger systems from Sigma Aldrich and Hyperscan, which cost anywhere from $30,000 to $40,000. Some systems only look at live bacteria, while others look at both live and dead. Winnings to the owners of the all these systems where the offer various capabilities, but they're all based on a technique called so polymerase her chain way, reaction, or PCR for short. PCR was developed in 1983 and led to other breakthroughs in gene sequencing, gene cloning, and other DNA-based diagnostics, as well as testing for bad olive oil and caffeine. Simply put, PCR is a process that photocopies bacterial DNA through cycles of heating and cooling, which prompts one strand of DNA to replicate itself continuously for about two to three hours until it becomes more detectable by a reader not that looking much. for these Maybe bacteria. She two and a half. She so, too big, within so. about three hours, a brewer yeah, can know if they have a bad batch of beer, her. rather than the week it used to take. And because time is money, a brewer can avoid pouring thousands of dollars of time, ingredients, and floor space down the drain. So Great Divide, a brewery I have not had a beer from in a long, long time. Probably the last time was a chocolate Yeti. And that is to your own detriment, sir, because that is a very, very highly rated, very good brewery I know, in Denver, just, Colorado. There's just so many good craft beers out there now. It's hard to pick, you know? Sure, there are a lot of them. But this is one of those that almost everything that they do is very, very highly rated. Uh, just for an example, let's go through a couple of their uh, other beers. Uh, today we're actually taking on the Hercules Double IPA. Hercules, Hercules. Uh, but just as an example of some of the other beers, the uh, Great Divide Yeti Imperial Stout, 100 overall, 98 in style. The Yeti Imperial Stout Oak Age, 100 overall, 99. Uh, the Titan IPA, 97 overall, 98 in style. The uh, Yeti Imperial Espresso Oak Age and Chocolate Oak Age both get 100s. The Old Ruffian, which is a barley wine, not normally one that we're uh, more apt to enjoy, gets a 99 out of 100 and a 98 in style. So, do you see a trend here? No. The Fresh Hop Ale, 97 no. and 99 in style. Please explain it to me. Uh, I don't know if I can. Please because, use pie charts and puppets. Uh, we can do that after the fact. And marionettes. We'll, we'll do about. shadow puppets after the fact. No, I only accept marionettes. Uh, you said use puppets, so that's that's no, what I'm. Going I with. separate puppets. I think like hand up your ass puppets versus marionettes. Well, anything in the ass you're you're for. <laughs> oh yeah, doesn't matter what it is. Just really. anything with a fist in my ass, I'm, I'm <laughs> all the way in for. But yeah, I, I prefer marionettes puppets because they're creepier. Yeah, no, well of course, and you can fist them. That's why you prefer them. No, you can't fist you. You can't oh, yeah, fist a marionette. True. You just destroy them. <laughs> that's a good point. You I can, mean, you can, I guess. You but can fist a puppet. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good point. Maybe you could fist a marionette, but it would probably destroy it. <laughs> You would not derive as much erotic pleasure from it as you would a regular Muppet and or Muppet. Uh, yeah, and I don't think the Muppet would or the marionette would enjoy it either. Eh, marionettes don't have feelings. They're not real people. Uh, that, yeah, that's a good point. So, the beer we're taking on today, the uh, the Hercules Double IPA. This one, 
Have you had that? You haven't had anything from them, correct? No, like I said, you weren't listening. I had the Chocolate Yeti. Oh yeah, you had that's the, the last one. I okay. Like I don't have a great history with Great Divide, but I have had the Chocolate Yeti. It's the last one I remember, but it was probably three or four years ago at this point. Okay. Well, I'm very excited about this, and I'm also very excited to tell you all about Great Divide. <laughs> Great Divide Brewing Company was founded by Brian Dunn in 1994 in Denver, Colorado. Within three months of opening, Great Divide won an award at the Great American Beer Festival. It has gone on to win a total of 12 GABF awards, as well as four World Beer Cup awards. They have been rated as high as the 23rd best brewery in the country by RateBeer.com and the 7th best by Beer Advocate Magazine back in 2008. Between 1994 and 2008, Great Divide had grown enough to warrant building a new brewery that would be capable of producing triple their previous capacity. This also prompted a change in their labeling, moving to more sensationalized silhouettes depicting the region in which a particular beer originated. Great Divide was founded on the idea of creating powerful beers. All of their beers have an ABV above 7%, and six of their brews have, over the years, been over 10%, twice the ABV of a nice cool can of America. The brewery has also made inroads into pop culture and a sports stadium. It was featured on the NBC miniseries Asteroid and is also available to consume at a Denver Broncos home game. The BJCP for an Imperial IPA. The aroma should be prominent to intense. No surprise. Appearance should be golden amber to medium reddish copper, although some versions can have an orangish tint. Flavor should be, of course, the hop flavor should be strong and complex. And should reflect the use of American English and or noble hop varieties. The uh, uh, the, the high to absurdly high hop bitterness may be present. Mouthfeel should be smooth to medium light and medium body. And the overall impression is that it should be intensely hoppy, very strong, a very strong pale ale without the big maltiness and or deeper malt flavors of an American barley wine. And, of course, strongly hopped. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and some of the examples that they give here... Some things that people may have had, the Bell's Hop Slam, the Pliny the Elder, the uh, Three Floyds. Uh, well, we haven't had anything from Flo- uh, Three Floyds. Avery Maharaja. Uh, you know, another one they give here is the Great Divide Hercules Double IPA. Uh, fits right into this category. <laughs> so uh, that is actually the beer we are doing today. Uh, the commercial description for this is a hoppier, maltier, and with more alcohol than a standard IPA. The Hercules Double IPA definitely is not for the faint of heart. Hercules Double IPA is, however, an elixir fit for the gods. A brash but creamy wonder. I have I don't know that I've ever heard creamy wonder in any of these descriptions. <laughs> Sounds like a, a description for a porn star. <laughs> and we did determine you're into cream uh, a couple, yes, uh, they, last week. So You didn't know this, but that was my name, nickname growing up was the creamy wonder. <laughs> the creamy wonder, yeah. Hercules pours a deep orange coppery color uh, forming substantial lace in the glass. Hercules Double IPA delivers a huge amount of piney, floral, and citrusy hop aroma and flavor from start to finish. A hefty backbone of nutty, toffee-like malt character balances Hercules' aggressive, punchy hop profile. 85 IBUs on this bad boy, 10% ABV. Uh, ratings across the board, we have untapped with a 3.85. Anything, Seems low. Yeah, anything above a 3.5 is good, but I expected this to probably be in the low fours, honestly. Uh, rate beer again gives it a 100 and a 99 in style. Beer Advocate, usually the more harsh of the two critics, does give this one a 92. So it it has a, definitely has a lot of... Uh, expectations and uh speaking of that have you had this beer before i have had this beer before but it's probably been about uh at least four or five years since i've had it so what are your expectations my expectations are to have a really nice dip a punch to the tongue which i love uh more in the style of a a solid western united states west coast ipa 
uh, maybe akin to a Green Flash or something along those lines, which is another one I want to bring to the table later on. And um, I expect it to be great. Uh, it's in the same category. Well, it's the same style as Pliny and, and things like that. Um, so I'm expecting to like it quite a bit. Yeah, and I just don't know what to expect. So <laughs> just, I mean, I'm hoping it's, we've had a good run of beers here lately, so I'm hoping it's not going to disappoint me. And I decided to finally say, man, Mark wanted to do another chocolate. And I said, come on, man. We've, we've done like a thousand. I, you're right. You're right. I I forget what what beer it was going to be, but uh, it was, oh, it was the Stone Monk IPA yeah. which just came out. And you pointed out, of course, it's yet another chocolate beer. So yes, <laughs> we should postpone that. Although we do have them in our in our uh, Brew Bloods beer fridge. They're so. in the beer vault. Yes, we'll keep them uh, out of sight for uh, a couple of weeks or so. The exclusive, the exclusive beer vault. Yes, the very exclusive. There's, it's, it's very large. It's about the size of a standard uh, portable cooler that you would buy at any grocery store. Uh, it's foam with the red handle, but it's very exclusive. But it's guarded by hamsters with lasers. So yeah, and and you know, fifty of our employees when they're not writing scripts, they're guarding the beer cooler. Yeah, so it's very well protected. Doesn't keep the cold very well. No, it doesn't because they don't put ice in it or anything. It's just it's just a standard styrofoam cooler that just sits there. So we are drinking these out of IPA glasses, which are the uh, they're more top heavy than bottom heavy. Bottom. Yeah, and they're uh, like an orange on a toothpick. Mark was able to dip into the Brewbleds funds uh, and put us even more into the negative and bought these exclusively for uh, any IPA tastings uh, that we do have, so we don't have to use just a snifter. Which this is, is, this is ex- uh, specifically for that. Which, if you haven't seen it, they look like a chalice on top, and then the, they have a, uh, a thick neck on them that is ribbed for my pleasure. Yeah, it's very ribbed. All right, so let's just start off with aroma. I expect some nice hoppy... Nice hoppy floral aroma here. It's very floral, but not overpoweringly so. It's subtle, very subtle. A subtle floral uh, aroma. Pretty well balanced. Uh, multi, definitely multi uh, with a combination of hops there. It, to me, it's not an outstanding aroma compared to other IPAs that we have, but it's on point. On fleek, as the kids say. Oh, yeah, it's, it's right on fleek. Um, definitely not overpowering. I think if it was stronger, you would probably appreciate it a little more, but uh, it, it is, it, it's a... It's a subtle aroma, you know. It's, it's 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 really not. It's not very pronounced at all. Yes, it's the opposite of ratchet. Yeah, is also what the kids say. So it's on fleek, but not ratchet. Yeah, it, it's on fleek and uh, and subtle, um, which I don't have a problem with. Uh, I think it's good. It's it's a nice aroma. I appreciate the aroma. Very uh, fruity. I would say it's more fruity than floral. Uh, maybe a little fruity. It's definitely a little hoppy too. There's a little bit of hop in there. Oh yeah, I'm just speaking of the more fruity. Sure. Fruity floral notes. It's more fruity than floral. I would almost say like a, a light pear aroma to it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, they also say it should have some lacing, uh, and it does have some good lacing if you move it around. Appearance-wise, yeah. Now, when we poured it, Dustin had one of the worst pours I've ever seen when somebody uh, poured whatever. a beer. It was terrible. It was yeah. terrible. I had abs- the, 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 the design of the uptops of this glass is that it should, you know, evoke a giant head on it, and you just poured it. Like just a common man pouring it into a, a shaker. But right now, the heads are the same on both of They us. are. They are. But I got yeah. to enjoy the explosion of head on mine. You did. And I, you know, you took a picture of it so I can enjoy it later. Yeah, you can enjoy it over and over again. Right. Who, I, I will constantly enjoy it. And who doesn't enjoy a good head explosion? Exactly. Uh, also, on the appearance side, in addition to the lacing that's definitely there, and uh, there's a little bit of a head left. It's not much, but it's there. No, it's there. It's there. Um... It does pour a deep orange coppery color like they say it should. I got to say, this is one of the better looking beers we've had. It's uh, definitely not clear, 
but it's a lovely shade. It's a like a sun. It's a color of a, a lovely Hawaiian sunset. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, the glass makes it very interesting, where it's very carbonated at the bottom, and then the top. There, there is some carbonation, but it's not as carbonated. And it just it it sits really nicely and sits really nicely in the glass, and it has a really nice color. Uh, it's really clear at the bottom, and more I would say less filtered look as you go up the glass. Um, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful color. It's a it's a wonderful. It's color. a reddish orange. It is. Uh, do you want to say anything about the bottle? Uh, yeah, it's there's not well a lot of the Great Divide beers look the labels are pretty much the same, so there's not a lot to write home about with this beer. It's they go for a simple design. Very simple, standard issue, nothing really stands out. To me, nothing with Great Divide that I can recall has really stood up that much about their labels. And it might be partly why, and it might be partly why I overlook their beer a lot of times, because their label just doesn't jump out at me. I, will, I, I agree with that, but at the same time, you definitely know it's a Great Divide oh, beer, sure, based sure, on sure. their font usage. and every, they, they definitely have a unique brand. But it's not like the Evil Genius you know, Purple Monkey, where the color just like explodes into your eyes. No, it's not like that. Nope. They they use kind of baseline colors, yeah. just a few colors. But. Evil Genius is like a Care Bear did a Care Bear stare right in your face. <laughs> Great Divide is definitely more, more, way more subtle, more earthy tones, true. a lot of greens and browns. That is true. So we get to the important part. Is it that important? I think we should just stop. Now. You, want, you want to just give ratings based yeah. on what we've ratings. seen and, and smelled? Zero point one out of ten thousand. <laughs> Yes, there's that there's that piney West Coast eradicate your palate IPA flavoring that that I love. It's got that citrus back into it. It's got that overwhelming pininess to it. I would say a truckload of pininess to it, and that's what I enjoy. I enjoy this quite a bit. This is the this is the style I prefer. It's definitely the the IBU is definitely making its uh, making itself known there in that beer. It's like you said, piney, resiny. It's a hardcore dipper. It, you know, it's not the hardest of cores that we've had. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's even a punch to your tongue. Hey, well, it's a punch to your tongue. It's not a punch to your face like some dippers are. It's not a punch to your face, but it's strong. It is strong. It's a strong contender. Yes, it. Like we've had beers that are this high in IBU, but you really wouldn't know it sure. because they're balanced out by other more sweet characters or more malt or something like that. This definitely makes itself known as an 85 IBU beer. Yeah, and they do that on purpose. You know they do that on purpose. It's sure. it's that West Coast flair uh, with the with the with the double IPA that, like I said, Green Flash, Great Divide, all, all these these type of breweries like to do, and I praise them for that. I enjoy it. It's got it's got just a little bit of a a little bit of sweetness on the front end, just a little bit of it. But I mean the the pininess is what you're going to taste. You do. It's not as piney as I would have expected. There's actually more, to me, more fruity notes there. There's uh, there's I actually get a light bit of banana, a little bit of Mr. Banana, uh, banana Man in the front there, and some clove in the back. Yeah, it, and there is some kind of citrus. I don't know exactly what it is, but there, there's definitely some kind of citrus to it as well. A little bit of, like, uh, kind of reminds me of a tangerine, maybe, a little bit. I mean, they're very, very faint notes there but a little bit of tangerine maybe a little bit of a bit of banana and definitely some clove there uh, a lot of people say grapefruit um maybe that's one maybe grapefruit rather than tangerine but yeah i could see grapefruit in there too a lot of people also say caramel i don't really get caramel mm-hmm. too much uh there's i mean there's a little bit of sweetness but i wouldn't go so far as to say caramel sweetness but i mean there's no doubt the the pine is the is the prominent that's the prominent flavor 
Um, yeah, you say that, and I guess I, you, when I drink it, I don't think of pine for some reason. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably what it's meant to be there, but I've had far, uh, beers that are far more resiny, pine resiny, than this beer. I don't know why. I'm just not, I'm not hmm? seeing the trees here. I'm, I'm in the forest, and I'm not seeing the trees, perhaps. <laughs> okay, but you do get a hoppiness to it, correct? Oh, of course. Absolutely. It's just that <laughs> for, right. for some reason, the fruity floral notes in, in aroma and flavor are speaking to me more than... I, I'm no Ranger Rick here <laughs> I, in this beer. I will say, if you drink it more, that the even to me, the pininess fades more the more, the more drinks I have of it. Which would make sense that I would have liked this beer so long ago when I wasn't... The hugest double IPA fan at the time. Uh, I liked IPAs, but I wasn't really into the the palate kickers, and I I remember enjoying this. I'm not saying there's no pine here, because there absolutely is. But it's not. It's more fruity than I would have expected, and more floral than I would expect. It's like, yeah, it's like somewhere between Charlie Brown's sad Christmas tree and the one that they somehow fixed up and made it into an aluminum full bloomin Christmas tree in the Christmas special. It's somewhere in between there. So it has like a little bit of. A little bit of honey to it, a little bit of growth, yeah. uh, some fancy bulbs, but not what I would have naturally expected being uh, apparently a standard bearer for the West Coast IPA. Uh, a few people say, and remember this thing does have a 10% ABV, that they hide the alcohol pretty well. I have to agree with that. I don't get like an overall boozy taste to it. I, I think th- I think the IBU is definitely hiding that. Yeah, the IBU and, the, and then the sweet flavor. You know, kind of like the no label we had last week, the peanut butter jelly time, had... It had a really boozy flavor in the mix of the chocolatey side of things. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, this one, and that was only an 8% ABV. This is a 10%. No, no, the, that was 9.9. Okay, 9.9. Uh, 9.1, I believe, right? Or something something in the okay. nines. Okay, well, this is a percent higher than that. Number nine. And it's still, with the sweetness, uh, the sweet area and the IBU, uh, I really don't taste any booziness at all in this one. I think it, I think it's really well hidden, which I actually like. I like it when it's got... A uh, high ABV and uh, you know the flavors actually overtake that. So you like it when you can get uh, smashed without really knowing it. Uh, well, you'll know it, but without <laughs> noticing the booziness right. at the time. Yeah, it does hide the the alcohol quite well. I'm enjoying this beer. I think I think for me, it's it's one of those that's it's bitter enough to where I'm a one and done on this. This is kind of it's verging on being a palate wrecker for me uh, because it's so strong in IBU. I don't. I think it'd be. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have. It would have to be one of the last beers I drank for the night. And what a way to cap it off with uh, that high ABV. <laughs> but it's very, very, very strong, and it will likely uh, ruin your palate unless you have something overpoweringly sweet. Yeah, it sits with you for a while. It does, for it sure. Does. But yeah, one and done for me, um, not even speaking on the ABV, but just on the, the uh, overall taste front. So, ratings. So, this is in the category I enjoy. This is the one that one of the ones I wanted to pick. Uh, the other one that I really want to pick is the Green Flash West Coast IPA, which, if Mark thinks that the 85 ABU is uh, tough with a great divide, uh, or is high with a great divide, uh, just wait till you get to Green Flash when it has an IBU of 95. I, I really do enjoy the... I enjoy the uh, pininess that I... I'm taking a lot of pininess from this beer. Uh, it fades a little bit as you keep drinking it, and it, it, you, you definitely get some sweet uh, flavoring uh, mixed in with it as well. Uh, I think it'd be kind of interesting if Great Divide did kick this up into a triple IPA and, uh, you know, have a lot more sweetness to it, which triples tend to do. Uh, just kind of see how that would balance out uh, and kind of make the other uh, flavors more prominent. But for this uh, double IPA, uh, I think this is a this is a 
top of the pops type IPA, uh, which I love the fact that it is because it's so readily available. Uh, you can get this pretty much anytime, anywhere, uh, you know, at any, any major beer store. It's not one of those special releases you have to go running around chasing. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the flavor palette. I appreciate the, uh, I think the coloring is awesome. Uh, I think the aroma was fitting. Not, not the, like Mark said, it's not the most noted aroma that we've ever had, but again, what's the important thing? The important thing is taste. Uh, it, it, it does dry your tongue a little bit and it does probably wreck your palate a little bit, but uh, once my palate is wrecked, I'm okay with staying in the double IPA category and just continually wrecking it and just beating the hell out of the palate at that point. Uh, so, you know, I, I would probably alternate between some uh, Green Flash West Coast IPAs and these, and, and I'd have no problem with that uh, if I'm in the mood for that. Uh, obviously, if you're in the mood for some porters and some stouts, don't don't go this way <laughs> off the bat. Uh, do those and maybe finish up with this. Um, so for me... It's in the category I love. I think it has a great balance. Um, it it really kicks up the pininess that I love and the West Coast hops that I love. So I'm going to have to give this one a 4.75 out of 5. So I think as we move into the Olympic season here, I think balance is the operative word just to relate it to sports. Uh, we're moving into uh, a time of you know gymnastics where balance is key. And I think that this is like... a like a tiny little carry, uh, carry shrug of beers. It's very well balanced and, uh, it does a great job of, of being an example of a great West coast IPA. You know, West coast IPAs aren't my favorite. I tend to lean towards the darker beers, stouts and porters, the really, you know, big bombastic, uh, sweeter beers, uh, heavier beers, but I don't, I like IPAs. I was about to say, I don't dislike IPAs, which makes it sound, like I don't like I'm almost to not liking them, but I like IPAs a lot. I don't always like the palate records as much, and for me, this is why the this is one of those where it's a one and done. Even when I I my palate has been rucked or wrecked, or like a like a like a rudder wrecked, like in a, yeah, uh, like in some sort of uh, NASCAR pileup. Um, I'm kind of done with it after that. Like I'm I'm a one and done guy with the palate records. Your palate can't take the beating. Mine can. I need to. I just want to go back into into some sort of tongue rehab after that. <laughs> I need to get medicated with a, a nice maybe a dessert beer or something like that. I I enjoy them for what they are. We need to get you a Yeti from I, from Great Divide. That's I what I enjoy experimenting. Yes, in more ways than just beer. But I enjoy it in, in beer too. I enjoy ex, the experiment, especially lifestyle. camp in the private cabins. Exactly. But I think it's a great example of the West Coast IPA. I get more uh, as I, as I said more fruity and floral than piney. And that was a surprise to me. It may just be the uh, difference in our uh, very large tongues. My palate's taken more of a beating, too. So that's, that's Maybe true. it's more used to that's pine. True. And so I was surprised by that. And I'm really enjoying that. And I'm enjoying the more... And I I, I got to say, I love the color on this beer. It is a really, well, really pretty color. It was rated 100, so you should yeah. have expected it to be pretty decent. So I'm... I'm given how big of a brewery and how prominent... I'm not surprised by how good the spear is and how uh, well-balanced it is. It's not my favorite IPA, but it's really well done. And I have to rate other IPAs ahead of it. But that's not to say it's a bad IPA, because it's a really good IPA. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of 5, which gives us a final score of 4.625.
Well, thanks for listening to episode 59 of Brewbloods. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should. It's completely free. All it does is ensure that you get the show every single week. Go to brewbloods.net for all the links, iTunes, Google Play, RSS, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Mark and I are about to take off, and I'm going to go get another case of this Great Divide IPA, and I'm going to get him some Yeti, and then we'll all be happy. And I'm going to order him an Uber while we're at it. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, if you would do us a favor, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on <laughs> iTunes, a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate it. That should be a shorty of us, you know, drinking four, four of anything from Great Divide. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, trying to record they after They do that. seem to love the high ABV. They do, yes. Check us out on every single social network, at least that we care about. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Who cares about the Snapchats? Aren't you way into Peach? Uh, no. Nobody's into Peach. Peach is gone. <laughs> Peach has turned sour. Aren't you way into Google Plus? <laughs> I've posted more on Google Plus than I have on Peach. Fair enough. That means I posted one more time on Google Plus than I have Peach. If you have any feedback on the show, you can email us at brewbloodsshow at gmail.com. Call us at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. Or you can go to Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash brewbloods if you're into the whole Reddit thing. Because who isn't? Well, check uh, check you guys out next week. (laughs) Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, high BV beers for the win. Very uh, special episode next week. Yeah, next week, Smokey and the Bandits. I'm sure that's going to be a nice craft beer episode. <laughs> well, <laughs> for Dustin, I'm Mark. For Mark, I'm Dustin. Probst. Probst. <laughs>